hold you back. You just got to hear that sound of all those things that seem to be dead and complacent and set away. They're starting to shake. There's a moving. There's a shaking in the spirit that's going on. Praise the Lord. Man, God is good. His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Jonathan sings that song. He's like, man, I'm going to lose my voice. But we're out there singing with him. I think I'm about to lose my voice, getting excited about it. Amen. Praise the Lord. You all can be seated. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this night. I believe you have a word to speak to us tonight. And so we thank you. Holy Spirit, put me on like a glove. Help me to speak as of the oracles of God. To speak something in this time, right now in this season, that will be helpful to us as a church, to us as individuals, that we might see that really we have as a generation been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. As we hear all over the news, we live in an unprecedented time in history. We live in a, an odd time of history, a time of history that rarely happens as it's taking place right now, but we the church need to know that we live in an unprecedented time. We are a generation that you've called to this time to be in the kingdom for such a time as this. So I thank you for the anointing of the Spirit of God, even as we pray right now in every home. The fresh oil, a fresh outpouring, as it were, begins to flow. Come upon each one who is listening that's ready to receive from the Spirit of God that which would come upon them to empower them, to save, to heal, deliver, to restore, to make whole, to, to bring to a place of strength that we understand that you are working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure and that we are at work with you working out our salvation with reverential awe of what you did to save our life and to bring us to this place of restoration and wholeness, what you've done to anoint our life with your glory and with your power, that we wouldn't walk as mere men, we wouldn't walk as we used to walk under the bondage of sin, but we'd begin to walk with our head up high, looking up for our redemption draweth nigh, that we're looking, we're looking, we're looking out, knowing that we hear the sound of the abundance of rain. For this day, this hour, and this generation to see a move of the Spirit of God. That truly we might know the hand of God is upon this generation. To reach those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who are sick, those who are bound. So we thank you for the anointing. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. That we truly might grow by the sincere milk of the word. We might increase not only in what we do, but we'd increase in our capacity to do and to receive into our life what you have for us, to receive people into our life that we might be influencers rather than be influenced by the world. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise, and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can open your Bibles to Isaiah the 43rd chapter, I want to pick up there. We've been talking about that a little bit on Sunday morning, but I want to pick up here tonight. We don't have words, uh, we don't have scripture for you tonight, so we're going old school. 
Hopefully you have your Bible, your device or something. You're not just depending on the words on the screen, but go ahead and open your Bible. Uh, at that point, you can make some notes and, and look at some things. But uh, I want to I address some things today. You know, I've been thinking about uh, a number of different things, obviously, if we've been here drawn close to God, praying, thinking about dry bones rattling, thinking about, you know, right in that song, it says that God really, you know, he's not moved by the impossible the impossibles never move God. God is the God who makes impossible things possible. There's a place in that song where it says that there's a sense that there's a miracle going to happen in this room right now. That miracles are still taking place. And in fact, an outbreak of the miraculous, I believe, is upon us. I was listening to another minister today, a, a well-known minister who is saying the same thing. I like it when you listen to somebody and they're saying the same thing, that, that really they're not hindered by all of this. They know the end is coming, but at the end there is going to be an impression. There's going to be a, a moving of the Spirit of God on the earth and that there will be a, a, an outbreak. I think he said it in a different way, but a, an outbreak of, of the miraculous, of God moving in people's lives. And that's what we've been saying, and, and I believe that's what God is saying to us. That there is a, a time. And, and so when we think, start to think about that, and we think about our lives as believers, we begin to think about no compromise. And we think about no compromise because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the power of that blood, as he was saying, that God's power is not short to save and to heal and to deliver and to set free and to make whole. And Jesus... When he shed his blood and sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat, it was a moment when mercy triumphed over judgment. And the power of that mercy that triumphs over judgment, we understand from a very visible place, oh good, thank God for the mercy and the grace of God. We never could have earned it, but we couldn't have earned it. But the power of what mercy does when we obtain it, to break the power of sin that was governing in our life, break the power of the defilement and the, 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 the hurt that sin brought upon our life. Mercy is not something that's just kind of fluffy and a nice word. Mercy is in, in, in incredibly powerful. If mercy has the power to triumph over judgment, mercy is incredibly powerful. The things of God, they're so kind and they're so generous. And sometimes we think in human terms, then they must be soft and weak. But every aspect of God, yet it's kind and it's gracious. And, it's, and we see mercy. It is incredibly powerful. When we think about coming and falling upon the mercies of God and the blood of Jesus and recognizing that the blood of Jesus cleansed us, of all unrighteousness. That as Paul said, we no longer walk as we used to do in the immorality of the world, but we've been washed, we've been sanctified, we've been cleansed, we've been justified by the blood of Jesus. And we start to recognize that, listen, we don't walk as others walk. Though we're in this world, we're not of this world. And sometimes I think that gets confusing to us and Tonight, I hope to, to bring some things to us that, that maybe open our eyes or that provoke us to a place. I was thinking about this, and it's been said 
concerning us as a church, it's been said at this time, there's something about the miraculous. And so I've been thinking about that there's something about the miraculous. And as I begin to think about that and think about what God is wanting to do at this time and reading this scripture, just to start off with, that God's doing something new. And so in verse 18, it says, do do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. And now, now, if you're at your home, just say now. now, a new thing will spring forth. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. To help us understand what road are we going to take, what way are we going to walk out our lives. Though we're in this world, we're not of this world. And he doesn't say, I'm going to make a road in the fruitful, wonderful places. He said, I am going to make a road in the wilderness, which means that if we're going to walk down this road that he's going to create in the wilderness, that we are going to be walking in the dry places of people's lives. God's going to give us influence and give us access into people's lives where they are dry, where they are hurting, where they are broken, and there's going to be a pathway for us to walk in. And it's a road that we have to decide that we will walk in. He said he'll make rivers in the desert. You know, for a time between my first year in Bible college and my second year in Bible college, I spent that summer in Tucson, Arizona. It's right in the middle of the desert. But I found out something, you know, when I first went there in the spring of that year, it, was, uh, it, it had begun to be dry season. And uh, while it was dry, we went over these bridges and you know, being from Colorado, the bridges were big. They looked like a bridge that would cross one of our rivers here, and, uh, uh, but there was no water in it. And so you'd drive over these bridges, and they were just dry, and there would be, it would say there was a wash. And then came the end of June and July, monsoon season. And man, I'll tell you, one thunderstorm one evening, I hadn't seen it like this. There had been a little bit of rain. One thunderstorm one evening came. The next morning, I got up, and I was going into town, and I came across the tank of early wash, and that thing was running full almost up to the bridge. Right in the middle of the desert, it was dry. It was a thirsty land. There was nothing running in the washes. But when the rains opened up, there were rivers in the desert. God says, I'm going to make pathways into people's lives where it's dry, and and I'm going to bring a refreshing. I'm going to bring an outpouring of the Spirit of God that will fall on the mountains, and it will run into the deserts, and I will make a refreshing in the middle of those places. God is doing something incredible, and really, He's given us, I'm going to talk about a couple of places that that we need to understand that we walk in, and though we're in this world, and though we're going a direction, we need to choose what direction we're going and understand that everybody's not going that direction. That when we're on the road and the path that God has lined up for us, we're going to see a lot of people going the other direction. I was thinking about this, you know, if I decided that I needed to go to Denver this week for something important, that I would jump in my car and I would get on I-70 and I would begin to go to Denver because that's my destination. But you know, while I'm going to Denver and headed that direction, if I get too conscious, I'll say, now wait a minute, there's a lot of people coming the other direction. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I've been headed to Denver for a purpose and a reason, even though there's a lot of people coming into the mountains and even sometimes it's so heavy of traffic, it's like, is everybody in Denver coming to the mountains? I don't all of a sudden cut across the road and say, I got to get into that traffic because everybody's going to the mountains. And it's so hard for me to go to my destination because everybody else is coming somewhere else. But sometimes when we're living life, if our destination is relationship with God and to show forth the goodness of God in our life, then we walk in the path that God has. And if everybody's passing us going a different direction, we don't all of a sudden say, well, it's so hard to go where I'm going because everybody else is going a different direction. You wouldn't do that in the natural if you were going somewhere. Why do it in the spiritual? Why turn and go with everybody else when you have a destination planted in your heart? And the destination that is planted in your heart is eternity. And we're moving towards eternal things, not natural things. But yet there's people passing us every day, just moving towards the temporary. But we have something on the road that we begin to give them. We want to show that there's a destination that they begin to turn around and they begin to flow with us in the way that we are walking instead of us always thinking we need to turn and go with the general flow. So the first thing I want to talk about, the first road or the path that the Bible lines out for us to walk in is in the 23rd Psalm. Turn over to the 23rd Psalm with me for just a moment. Most of you are familiar with the 23rd Psalm, and I just want to make this, this one observation here. 23rd Psalm. In verse 1, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Now we think about that and say, see, this, it's all green pastures. It's all wonderful. But then it says this, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. We need to be walking down the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now listen, it says when you get on the paths of righteousness, God's going to lead you into green pastures. He's going to feed you. He's going to sustain you. He's going to help you. But he says you're going to go in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. But then listen to this. It says, yea, though I walk, I'm walking in the paths of righteousness, but yet I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm walking in the path of righteousness, but in the shadow of sin and death that is all around me, people who don't know Jesus. And yet, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Though people are consumed and walking in evil all around me, I stay on the road in righteousness. I walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what righteousness is. The path of righteousness is a road that I walk in deep relationship with God, walking with Him, talking with Him, about everything that's around me, the evil that's around me. And I say, I want to stay with you. I'm not going and getting in relationship with this or that where the shadow of death is. I'm staying close to you. I'm staying in relationship with you. I'm growing in character because I'm watching you. I'm living with you. I'm walking with you. He says, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Understand that, that when we were with sin, we were without God. But when we were born again, when we were made righteous, we came in union with God. Wherever we go, because of that covenant, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. So we fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He protects us. He guides us. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
He doesn't say you're going to eat in these green pastures all the time. He says sometimes you're going to be right in the presence of your enemies. But God says, I'll prepare a table before you. I'll sustain you even in the midst of your enemies. Listen, when it seems like everybody else is, you know, the, the children of Israel said this in Malachi. It says, what good does it do to serve God? It seems like we're serving God and they're still being prospered. He said, listen, when you think that they're eating of the best of the land, when you think that they're partying and having a great time, when you think they're uh, winning and prospering by deceit. He says, right there in the midst of your enemies looking like they're prospering, I'll prepare a table before you. You don't have to go there to get your sustenance. I'll prepare a table before you. Right there in the paths of righteousness, I'll prepare a table before you right in the presence of your enemies and show that I am your God and you are my child and that I'm well able to take care of you no matter what the situation. Come on, listen. He says, I'll, he'll anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over ha. when we're walking in paths of righteousness, when we're walking in fellowship with God. Our cup is meant to run over. God doesn't want us to have a half-empty cup. He wants to fill our life to overflowing. Over and over in the New Testament, Paul talks about that Jesus Christ came in our life to fill us with the fullness of all that he is, to fulfill our life, to fully Fill us with his nature, with his life, with his power. We, our cup runs over when we walk in paths of righteousness. Listen, in those paths of righteousness, walking with him, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And listen, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. There's a road that we walk on. He says he'll prepare a road in the wilderness right here in the, in the 23rd Psalm. He said, there's a path of walking with him in the presence of your enemies, in dry places, in places where it seems like everything is against you. But when we walk in righteousness, we walk in that relationship with God, we walk in the character of God that he's put on the inside of us, when we live our life right, we live our life how we were ordained to live it by God, Listen, our cup runs over, we're anointed to do things, and we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He'll dwell in us, and we'll dwell in Him. It's incredible. Turn over to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Paul is praying a prayer for the church at Philippi here, and he says, This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to this, being filled with all the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the praise and the glory of God. God says when you walk in the paths of righteousness, when you walk in righteousness, See, this path that we walk on in righteousness, sometimes when the world is around us, they make light of righteousness. They make light of godly living and right living. But God says, listen, there is a produce from right living. And that produce that comes from living with God and living the way that God ordained for us to live and living right before God, there is a fruit that comes from that. And it brings praise and glory to God. There's produce from living with God every day. There's produce from walking in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We don't want to divert from that path. 
but we want to walk in it. And secondly, I want to talk about another road that's impactful. And as I was looking at this and wondering about there's something about the miraculous, this sprung up in my heart. And I believe that it comes to us today and it ties right in with the paths of righteousness. But turn over to Isaiah chapter 35. We may have to spend a, a little bit more time on this other than tonight. Listen to Isaiah 35. We're going to read the whole chapter here in Isaiah. It says, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even Joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with a recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Listen, here comes the miraculous. <laughs> God's about to do something. I hear dry bones rattling. Come on. He said God's going to look down and he's going to do something. And the blind eyes shall be opened. The ears of the deaf, deaf shall be unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing, for the waters shall burst forth in the wilderness. There's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals where each lay. There shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Now listen to this. A highway shall be there and a road. And it shall be called the highway of holiness. It shall be called the highway of holiness. Listen, there's going to be all these miraculous things happen, but there's going to be a road in this place called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there. Nor shall ravenous beasts go up on it. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there. <laughs> Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The redeemed shall walk on this highway of holiness. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. With everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and singing shall, sor sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Come on, this is a place where God says things are going to be restored, miracles are going to happen, and he calls this road that goes through the desert a highway of holiness. I believe we need to return as a church to holiness, to the thought of holiness, to the understanding of holiness, to the purity of heart that comes with holiness. The world around us makes a joke about purity, but power is really impurity. 
throughout our nation, we try to make people feel bad for keeping their life and their heart pure. We think they're weak. We think there's something wrong with them. But really, the people who keep their heart pure and walk in holiness actually have power. They've, they've exerted power over temptation. They've exerted power over their flesh. They've shown that they're more powerful those, than those who give in to every desire and every lust that comes their way. Yet for some reason, those who desire to be holy struggle with that competition, that pressure against them, that, that mocking of them being holy. But I'm just telling you, the power of God, the miracle-working power of God flows best through holy vessels. And thank God for the blood of Jesus. If we've lived unholy, if we've lived a life in barrenness, if we've lived a life in, in sin... The blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And when he does, and the power of that blood, like we talked about in the beginning, washes us, there's no reason to live unholy anymore. There's no reason to say, you know what, I just can't do this. Everybody around me is acting this way. No, I can live my life in holiness. Turn over to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Many times we're drawn away, we've served God, we've gotten into a situation where unholy people have affected our life, people do things, sin against us, or somebody we're connected to does something unholy, unclean, and it affects our life. And, and many times we see people think, well, if I lived holy and this happened to me, what's the use? I'm just telling you, don't give in because somebody else lived unholy and it encroached upon your life because God has a plan for you. God wants to move through you. God in this time truly wants to move through those who are vessels ready to be used, ready to walk with the master, ready in those paths of righteousness to go in places and dry places and bring life and bring vibrancy and bring newness to those who are hurting, those who have fallen into ungodliness and they're struggling and sin is captivating them and they're in sorrow and depression and oppressed by the devil. God's going to make a road in the wilderness for those who will walk in holiness, a highway of holiness to reach out to those who have been captured by unrighteousness and ungodliness and unholiness and they've been tainted and they've been defiled and their life is going down. God wants to make a way to them, but that way is going to be brought by those who walk in righteousness and true holiness to give them hope. That though they've made a mistake, though they've been defiled by the sin of this world, there is a master, there is a savior. His name is Jesus, and his blood can cleanse you from all sin. But we walk on a highway of holiness showing the beauty of holiness. In 2 Chronicles, we talk about this story about how the armies went out first, and they praised God, and they sang, and they played the instruments and they said, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And they arrived and the enemy was defeated. But before they started to sing, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. In verse 21, it says that they, they were sent out to praise him and worship him in the beauty of holiness. We've been made to think by the enemy and by the world that somehow our holiness makes us weaker. Somehow our holiness makes us look different, and it does. But we need to be able to understand that our holiness, the purity, the cleansing of God makes us 
beautiful. Holiness is beautiful. Holiness is powerful. Miracles happen. God still wants to do miracles. And he wants to do some powerful things through some vessels that have made themselves ready to move in the miraculous. Ready to go down that highway of holiness in the desert, in the dry places, and bring life to those things that are dying. Just as Ezekiel looked out, that song says he looked out into the desert, the bones spread out in that wilderness. It looked like everything was dry and dead. We may go out into the world and say, listen, I can't even see there's so much going on here. God, what's going on? But we bring life into dry, dead places. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, there's so much here that we want to talk about. We, we understand this first part. We've talked about it some. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. As we get into this, you may be able to look and understand that the race that is set before us is not a sprint. There's not a small track but it's a marathon. And in just studying this, I want to present this to you. There's certain probably a million different ways. But because of scriptures that connect, it's very possible that our race is a marathon that runs on this road that God created for our race, which is a road through the wilderness, the highway of holiness. That's the road that we run our race on. And it says, we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. He said, when you're running through this highway of holiness, when you're going down these paths of righteousness, and it looks like your enemy is all around, and everybody else gets to do all these things that, that look like they're appeasing their flesh, he says, just consider Jesus who died for your sin to make you holy. He endured such hostility of sinners and the death of the cross so you and I could be cleansed from our sin. He said, you've not yet resisted to blood, Shed striving against sin. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as sons? We're sons and daughters. He said, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He disciplines every son whom he receives. If you endure your correction, your chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Listening right, right now, we were talking about even this morning, we want to come into a place where we're allowing God to show up things, to correct things in our life, to show us the things that need to be corrected so that we can get on the right path. And if we're not listening to that correction we're not listening as, as sons who know that their father loves them. But God is correcting things so that he can get us on our path. He can get us in that path of righteousness. He can get us running our race. He can get us walking on that road, that highway of holiness. Verse 9, it says, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who correct us, and we paid them respect. 
shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? If we've respected our natural fathers for the correction that they've given us, how much more should we respect the correction that comes from our Father God? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, but it seemed best when it seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. He said he's correcting us that we may be partakers of his holiness. And we look at that, we might read over that, but he says, I want you to partake of something that is so beautiful that when realize the beauty of holiness, you will never want to go back to something that is dirty and defiled, that you want to live in the beauty of the purity of the holiness that only comes from the washing of the blood of Jesus. He says, no chastening, verse 11, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. God, do I really have to change that? Why do I have to change that? It doesn't seem good for the present, but when we obey him and the hold of sin is broken and washed away, that thing that we of our own works could not rub out, that stain that came on our life because of a wrong decision, because of an immoral decision, something we did that we couldn't forget, we can't get out of our mind, we can't scrub it no matter what we do, the blood of Jesus just washes it and makes it clean. It doesn't seem good when it's happening, when the change is happening. It seems painful to put off the flesh, but afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, holiness and righteousness, paths of righteousness, highway of holiness to those who've been trained by it. Now listen, seems like we've heard this before in Isaiah. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. He says, when we start walking down this path, when we strengthen our hands that have been hanging down in our feeble knees, just as Isaiah said, it's time to start moving in what God has planned. He says, now pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. He said, listen. Holiness is something that we're supposed to pursue. We're supposed to actively be running and chasing holiness. So often we get off track and we're chasing after the things that the world is chasing after. We're trying to enjoy the things that the world is enjoying. We're, we're trying to get to a place where we, we feel like we're living up to the standard of the world. But God said, pursue holiness. And he said, without which no one will see the Lord. You know, I heard somebody talk about this one time, and it made so much sense to me. It says it's not just talking about that you won't get to heaven. He says there's a place where we're walking in holiness, that because God is holy, and he's called us to be holy as he is holy, we begin to see God in our everyday life. We begin to see what God is doing in our everyday life because we're walking with him in this place of holiness, in this place of purity. The very thing that broke our relationship with God and man in the beginning was sin. And he says, when you put off sin and you begin to live in holiness, you begin to walk in a depth of relationship with God, that you begin to see him as he is. You begin to see him more clearly for what he has. Instead of works of the flesh, we begin to walk in the good works that God has ordained for us without hindrance, knowing that we've been qualified to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. 
We may read that and know that, but when sin keeps a hold on us, we wonder if we're worthy of partaking of the inheritance, though we can claim it. But when we put off sin, we know we're sons and daughters of God. We know that we're walking in that very life, and we see him more clearly as he is. Verse 15, he says, look carefully, lest any fall short of the grace of God. Say, how are we going to walk in this holiness? Is it a work of the flesh? No, it's the grace of God. It's the empowerment and the favor of God that comes upon us. It's the ability and the influence of the Holy Spirit that makes us aware of the things that we should not do. It empowers us to stay away and empowers us to do what we've been called to do and the anointing that we're to live in. So don't fall short of the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. He said, listen, when you're not pursuing holiness and peace, all of a sudden bitterness can take hold. You're outside of grace, and now all of a sudden bitterness takes hold, and it begins to defile many. Defilement is just the opposite of holiness. Holiness is a cleansing. Holiness is a purity that takes place. God wants us to walk in this highway of holiness. I know we don't talk about it much. We've gotten into kind of a free idea that, you know, God just loves us the way we are, but he loves us the way we are. He just loves us too much to leave us the way we were. He wants to bring us to the highest place that he created for us. And that place that he created us with was without sin, without the bondage, without the guilt, without the shame. We're not talking about a judgmental thought here. We're not talking about we want to get self-righteous. We want to have a holier-than-thou attitude. No, we want to walk in the midst of this true, humble holiness that God's provided, that there's a beauty of, a, of the purity of life, that others would be, see that and be drawn to the beauty of His holiness, that they might see that there's something better than the sin and the defilement and the deceitfulness of sin in the world that seems to attract so many, but that we become more attractive than the sin that captivates the world. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Remember Isaiah 35 when he's talking prior to this highway of holiness. He's talking about blind eyes seeing, deaf ears opening, the lame walking. He's talking about the miraculous. We desire the miraculous. We want to see the lame walk, the blind see. We want to see God do something in the earth today. We want to see miracles happening now. We sing about it. We get excited about it. And then we talk about holiness and we kind of go, huh. But God says there's something about the miraculous and there's something about holiness that ushers in the miraculous because it's, it shows forth not, not just what happens, but it shows who God is. It shows that that holy cleansing cleanses out sin and in that cleansing out sin, life springs forth because sin brings forth death, but God brings forth life and in that purity of his life, he heals the sick, he cleanses the leper, he raises the dead, the blind see and the deaf hear. There was something about Jesus and his holy life that was a, a, a bed, a, a, a moving, a boiling point, a, a surging of that life that brought forth power. To heal, to deliver, to set free, and to make whole. We want it to flow, and we want it to flow through us. 
But do we want it to flow through a clean vessel or to flow through something that is tainted? God says, I can clean the vessel if you let me. And it'll be wonderful. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, And he and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, praise the Lord, I think I have the wrong, the wrong scripture. Chapter 1, did I read? Where am I at? I'm in chapter 3. Sorry. Chapter 1. Praise the Lord. I said 1. I went to 3. I was talking. Praise the Lord. Therefore, gird up your loins. This is the one I want. <laughs> Therefore, gird up your loin, the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Gird up the loins of your mind. Don't let your mind wander to everything else. Rest your expectation fully on God's grace. And the grace surges at the revelation of who Jesus is. At the revelation of who Jesus is, we find out who we are in Christ. Verse 14, as obedient children, not conform, not conforming yourself to the former lusts, the former desires that you had in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's works, conduct yourself throughout your time of your stay here in reverence says, listen, we don't have to live in the way we used to in those desires, but we can be holy just as God is holy. Turn over to James chapter 4. James, the fourth chapter. The eighth verse says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's a time where we look and we say, listen, I'm just going to cleanse my hands of the sin that I've been involved in. If I've been in any, I'm just going to cleanse my hands. I'm going to purify my heart. I'm not going to be double-minded thinking, you know what, I'll, I'll take the world in this measure, and then I'll take the Spirit in this measure. We're not going to be double-minded. We're going to purify our hearts and 100% say, I want to be single-minded. I want my mind set on him. I want to gird up the loins of my mind. We see this over and over that how you think about it, what you set your mind on, what you set your affections on means so much to how we're going to conduct our lives. I love it when he says here, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When we were praying in January for this year, at one prayer time, it just, I just saw this, that God was endeavoring to pull us into his heart to pull us into his heart, to draw, as we would draw near to him, he would draw us nearer and nearer into his heart. And there's nothing more pure, more holy than the heart of God. And the way that we see things, the way that God sees them, is through the purity of the lens of God's holiness. It causes people to see people, God through that holy sin doesn't look at people in sin and throw his shoulders back and, and be disgusted. God looks at people in sin and yearns for them to understand the beauty of holiness. He brought Jesus that they might receive 
something better than they're walking in. He says, I want you to cleanse your hands of the old sin. I want to purify your heart from being double-minded so that you can see clearly what I want to do in the earth and that I want to do it with you. I want to make paths in the desert. I want to make a highway of holiness through the desert. I want to spring up fountains in that dry land, that desert place. How's he going to do that? By bringing us with the power of the Spirit of God and an outpouring of the Spirit and people who walk in the righteousness and the holiness that only the blood of Jesus can produce to show them something different than they've seen in the world. I believe we're on the very edge of a mighty move of God. I believe we've had an opportunity, and I've said this before, and I don't believe that we're done. I don't believe it'll end because we come out of stay-at-home order. I just believe that we will have set patterns of drawing near to God, of praying, of setting aside time, hearing the wooing of the Spirit of God when He wants to talk to us and deal with our lives. So we begin to see things differently. We begin to work on ourselves. You know, I was thinking about this uh, in our offices, we've taken this time to really work with our staff and rearrange and readjust and reset. And so part of that, we've gone through and, and worked with some people. And uh, we've looked at some, some constraints that, that might be upon our lives. And so we made a traction plan. In other words, just said, you can listen to all this uh, and you can take these and study this and know what, what constrains your life and what may be holding you back. But if you don't do anything about it, you've just learned. You haven't done anything. So to implement a traction plan. Now, I was thinking about this, and certainly it, it, it's, a, it's a godly plan. And so there's things that I'm doing in my traction plan that are godly. And I'm thinking about you know our team and leadership. But I was thinking about this the other day. God, as I'm spending time with you, give me a traction plan. Give me the things that I need to do right now for this season. Not just to know that something is on the verge of happening. Not to just know that holiness is a very part of this miracle move of God. But God, show me what's in my life that I need to work on that it will become more holy. Show me how to walk more righteously. Give me a traction plan. Write it down. Put it on your mirror somewhere. Just a few things that God is saying right now that you can be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. just want to end with this thought. Paul told Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, In every house, in every house, there are vessels of gold and silver and there's vessels of clay and wood, some for honor and some for dishonor. In that, he was telling Timothy, that we should be vessels of honor. He said we should be vessels of honor and meet for the master's use. And in that, he said, if anyone would cleanse himself from the latter or from dishonorable things, he would become a vessel of honor, sanctified. That word sanctified means set apart as holy and useful for the master. Useful for the master. So he said, flee also youthful lusts. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Say, how do I begin to pursue holiness? How do I begin to cleanse myself of dishonorable things? Well, there's some things that you know, some sin and weight that you know that needs to be set aside. But if you just change your focus, if you're always concentrating on what you shouldn't be doing anymore, 
That's where your focus is. You'll have a sin consciousness of all the sin that I have to change. But the best way to begin to cleanse your life of sin is to pursue righteousness, to pursue holiness, to pursue faith, to pursue love, to pursue peace with others who are calling upon the Lord out of a pure heart. I don't know uh, if it made that much sense, but I'm planting a seed. I just believe that from Isaiah 35 that there's miracles. They're happening, but God wants to break forth. He's not going to do it as, as best as I can see. He may do it. If we, if we don't do it, the rocks could cry out. But his plan is to break out upon the earth through his church. A church that looks like him. Because it says when he comes back, he's coming for a holy church. A church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So he's coming for us. As we walk in holiness. So I just ask us all tonight to examine our hearts. Examine what we've been putting our hands to, what we've been playing around with, if you will. If it's not been clean, cleanse our hands of that. Wash it off. Stop, stop messing around with it. Stop looking at it. I can't stop something that's captured me. Go into your prayer closet. Put it before God. Allow the blood of Jesus. Obtain mercy. Get a hold of it. Understand the power of mercy. Don't think mercy is just like, God, forgive me. God did it. Okay. No. Receive the power of mercy and find grace to help you. Grace to help you. And then don't focus on what you were, but focus on who you are in Christ. Pursue faith and love and holiness. Pursue it. Run after it hard. You won't have time to look back if you're pursuing after the things of God. Let's purify our hearts where we've been double-minded, wanting to have this benefit of the world and have the benefit of God at the same time. And so at one time, we're acting like the world to get that benefit, and the other time, we're acting like God wants us to act to get God's benefit, but we get single-minded and say God has more for us than the world could ever give us. We cleanse our hands from what we've been messing with. We purify our hearts. And gird up the loins of our mind so our thoughts are single and our attention is upon Him. And all of a sudden we realize that the Spirit of God is churning. We realize the life of God in us stronger than ever before. Our view of the people around us who are caught in the dryness of sin causes us to see we bring a freshness of life. We bring an anointing like a river in the desert. And God wants to partner with us to reach a lost and a dying world. Not because we look like the world, but because we look like Jesus. Let's just take some time out this week and examine our hearts. Be honest with ourselves. I'm not judging you. I can't judge you. I want to encourage you. As I'm asking God to just encourage me that there is something right here. And there's something about holiness. It's all through the scripture that will release miracle-working power in our sphere of influence. There's something about the miraculous. And I believe we're stepping into it.
and we'll step into it in a greater measure. If there's anyone out there listening, you say, you know what, I don't even have any idea what you're talking about. I've been caught in all the flow of the world and everything. Jesus came to set you free from that, to wash you, to cleanse you, to take away the stain of guilt and shame, things that have hurt your life and bound your life. You say, you know what, I, I, my flesh enjoys it and I'm caught in it, but I want God. But I enjoy that, but I want God. Listen, the only thing that will take that desire of the flesh away is to come to fully know Jesus. To allow him to cleanse you of that and show you the beauty of holiness and how great it is to walk in righteousness. Now you start that path is making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new and now everything is of God who's reconciled us to himself. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life tonight, you say, I want to. Let's just pray this prayer together. Say, Father, I come to you. Finish with living my life the way that I want to live it. I want to live my life for you. I believe that Jesus came to the earth. He died for my sin. And you raised him from the dead so that I could be forgiven and be brought into right relationship with you. So right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Save me from the power of sin. Make me right with God. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and Jesus has come into your heart, you have a brand new life. Old things passed away, forgiven, washed, a new life emerging. If you did that for the first time, let us know. We want to send you some literature that will help you on your journey and uh, pray with you. And uh, man, best thing you ever did. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you. I trust that that ministered to your heart tonight. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus... Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be just.